Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Point fam, and uh, hey, if you got your Bible, head over to Psalm 127. Um, that's going to be today, uh, Psalm 127. And hey, if you're new with us, just want to go ahead and welcome you. Uh, my name is Josh, and I'm one of the lead pastors of our church. We are incredibly honored that you are here, and uh, you picked a good week, got an extra hour of sleep uh, coming on in. That's right, it makes it a real good Sunday, and uh, so I expect you guys to be double awake for this message. It's going to be really fun. Um, I do just want to, uh, Lakeland Church, we don't do this often enough, and so I uh, just want to do this, want to go ahead and welcome all of our campuses that are joining in with us. If you're new with us, you may not know, we are one church that meets in multiple locations all throughout uh, the DFW area, and so here at Walkwall, Rockwall, we are joining in with our Richland campus, Firewheel, Town East, Forney, White Rock, everybody joining in with us on uh, Lakeland Church. Can we say hello to our church family? Let's do that right now. That's right, everywhere we go ahead and... Say hey, everybody, uh, hanging out with us. And uh, man, if you're new, um, you did pick a good week. This is the second week um, of a series that we're just calling Forward. And uh, really where this comes from is God's hand of faithfulness has just been uniquely on our church. We don't take that for granted for the last 40 years. And so what we wanna do is pause at like a critical juncture in our church's life and kind of ask that question, man, what does it look like for the faithfulness of God to rest on what we're doing for the next 40 and so we're really looking at that in every area of our lives. So what does it look like to go forward in, here's how it's gonna work. This week, forward in our families. Next week, forward in our church. Third week, forward in the world. And uh, so this week, forward in our families. And uh, let me just acknowledge something just really quick and, and let's kind of clear the air. When it comes to our families and investing in our kids, the next generation, maybe you're a sp- an aspiring parent. Maybe you're at that spot where you're in the, the grand you got grandkids scurrying around, little crumb snatchers you know, around again, that kind of thing, or maybe it's the great grandkids, that kind of thing. What I know is there's a lot of emotion around that. Um, either there is if you want kids but are struggling to have them, that's my family's story, my wife and I's story. I know that messages like this can be like, ah, this is really tough. If you've got kids in the house, little ones who are in the house, you just kind of have this deal where it's like, man, you're just like, I'm sure we're screwing this up, but we don't know how, you know? And then, uh, and then if your kids are grown and maybe they're out of the house, that kind of thing, or now it's grandkids, great-grandkids even. And what I know is that there's a lot of things you just can't shake. It's like, man, all these things you wish you'd done different. 
that I wish I could go back and redo, that kind of thing. Let me just say, if, if you'll just kind of hang out with me for the next few minutes, I'm not leaving anybody out. Now, I'm not, people are single, people are parenting, hoping, all, all that stuff, we're gonna get everybody. But if we could do this to kind of clear the emotion in the room, all right, let's, let's just all level the playing field for the parents really quick. Can we have a mass confession? I'm gonna lead you in a mass confession and you're gonna feel awesome when this is done, okay? So number one, if you could, at all of our campuses, would you please raise your hand? I'm gonna start with an easy one. If you have ever lost your temper and yelled at your kids. Would you raise your hand real quick? Would everybody look around? Everybody look around, all of our kids look around. Just say, welcome to the club. Just say, welcome to the club. That means you're human, that's what that means. Okay, now let me do this one. They get progressively harder, so just kind of track with me. Uh, wait, would you please raise your hand if you've ever wondered how much of a sleeping pill it was safe to crumble into a baby bottle? Raise your hand, raise your hand. Anybody else? Just wondered, I'm just saying, just wondered. That's all I'm driving at, that's right. I'm so, lots of hands. Lots of hands at all, our, all of our services. Uh, what about this one? Raise your hand if there was ever a time where the kid didn't need Benadryl as much as you just needed to get some sleep. Where's, where, okay, man, praise Jesus for Benadryl. I love, I love you, Lord. That's great. Uh, what about this one? Uh, we're, again, all in the same boat here. Um, if there was ever a time where you didn't need to go to the bathroom as much as you just needed 15 minutes of silence. That's what you need, that's right. We're all safe, safe place right here. And then last one, last one uh, may, may just be me. Uh, raise your hand if you've ever told your kids that the ice cream truck only plays music when it's sold out. Have you ever done? Okay, no, it's just me, that's my, my bad. Some of you are taking sermon notes for the first time, you're like, that's gold, that's gold, that kind of thing, that's it. Well, here's what I know is that nobody gets this thing right. Man, there is, there is a, you're gonna hear this at the end of the message, there has only been one perfect parent in the history of the world. And, uh, and so for the rest of us, as jacked up sinner parents or aspiring parents or have been parents, what do we do about this thing? Um, we're gonna look at Psalm 127. Now, a real, real quick, um, for your personal Bible reading, I, I just, this is a, a good Bible interpretation rule I got when I was in seminary. I wanna help you out and give you this same thing. So at 11 o'clock service, you can help me out. Um, the, the rule is, the number one rule for good biblical interpretation is context is king. Can you finish that with me? Context is king, thank you. And what that means is, in order for us to understand a passage right, we need to understand the context that surrounds why it was written, who it was written by. So check this out, Psalm 127 was written by a guy named David. Okay, David's story is really interesting, especially when it comes to his family. David grew up <clears throat> in a bad family himself. Uh, he had actually, you guys remember there was a time where David got forgotten by his dad. Uh, a prophet asked him to bring all his kids there. David got forgotten out in the field. It's a bad dad who like literally forgets he's got another kid. And so that was David's story. Kind of grew up in a, in a rough family himself. And because of that, that legacy transferred forward. David was a bad dad from the start. Um, in fact, we get this picture that David obey, disobeyed God at the very beginning, took multiple wives. And then uh, it, it, as he became a dad, this picture of David ignoring his children. There were some very severe times in David's family's life where things were going haywire. And David was a very, even though he was a good king, he was a passive dad. He was famous at work, but not famous at home. And so David had this thing where he was uh, afraid to discipline his kids and lead his family while he was leading a nation. And so he was respected by everybody in all of the kingdom except his family when he got home. And so you see this in David's, David's life. Later on in his life, he had adultery, committed adultery with a woman named Bathsheba, and that's when his family really started to kind of spiral out of control. Um, right after that, 
David had a son named Amnon. One of David's daughters ended up being sexually assaulted by one of David's sons, Amnon. And because David was passive and didn't step in and do anything, David's other sons ended up murdering Amnon. Uh, later, um, David had another son named Absalom, who out of resentment for his dad, just, God just hated his dad. And so Absalom ends up trying to take David's throne and kill him. Just a really, really jacked up family. But what ended up happening was at the end of David's life, there was this note of like family redemption where David had failed for so many years. At the end of his life, he had this one kid named Solomon. And out of all of his family line, at the very end, David, like he got one right. And he walked with his son and he fathered him well and he loved him and he led his heart to the Lord. And that son Solomon ended up carrying David's legacy of faithfulness in the Lord forward into the generations that would eventually lead to Jesus who descended from David. Now, the Psalm that we're reading today is a Psalm that David wrote in joy, just exalting and singing over this son Solomon. Okay, so check this out with me. This is Psalm 127, start with me in verse one. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, tolling for food to eat. By the way, this next part of the verse, I'm like praying. I got a six month old son I just adopted. I'm praying this next verse. For he grants sleep to those he loves. Okay, it's time, it's time. Verse three, children are a, now watch this. I just wanna point this out. Look at all the adjectives that David uses describing his son, okay? Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward. All these amazing words from him. Watch this, like arrows, important word, in the hands of a warrior, children are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Now, let me, let me just point some out. This passage, it gives honestly a little bit of a different vision of the goal of parenting, particularly Christian parenting, um, from what a lot of us have in our heads as parents approaching, whether it's young kids, grown kids, grandchildren, a, a little different picture. Now, here's, here's what I'm driving at. This is a picture that you could take in any grandma's living room in the history of the world. This is a china cabinet. My grandma had one of these right in the middle of her, uh, her living room. And what this is is, this is where grandma puts all of the delicate, fragile, very breakable, valuable things. And when all the, like I, 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 you see, I call them little crumb snatchers. When all the kids kind of come in and they're rumbling around the living room, <clears throat> grandma hides all the fragile, valuable things in the china cabinet to protect what's breakable. Now, that's what a lot of Christian parents think their primary role is when it comes to their children, grandchildren, or future generations. Hey, they're very fragile, they're very valuable, they're breakable, so our job is protect. That's our primary job. Now, that's part of our job, but this psalm actually gives us a higher calling. Okay, it said, at the end of this psalm, it said, children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children in one's youth. By the way, that is the exact arrow from Rambo part two. That's what I got right there. And I just wanna point this out to you, <clears throat> that arrows are not something that need protected. They're something you need protection from. And what the Bible's showing us is, that, man, the goal of us shaping our children, future generations, grandchildren, is that we wanna invest our lives forward, not just so that we can protect them from the darkness of the world. 
We actually have a higher calling, a greater hope, a greater prayer, is that we wanna invest ourselves into shaping children and future generations that the darkness of the world's gonna need protection from. Now what Psalm 127 does is it kinda gives us like a paradigm of how we can invest in that direction, okay? So I just wanna point out a couple things to you from this Psalm. So when it comes to a lot of us, when we talk about this concept of forward, like man, how am I gonna invest my life forward? A lot of us, we want to make a difference that outlives our life, but we wanna do it in a bunch of different ways. So some of us, we wanna try to leave a legacy through our job or our career. It's like, man, I wanna build, maybe build a business that outlives my life, that's still here, that impacts my family forward. That's a good thing. Some of us might wanna try to do that through accomplishment. It's like, man, I got the high school record, I got my name in the books, I accomplished this great thing, my name's gonna live on. Some of us may wanna try to do that through wealth amassment. It's like, man, if I can just acquire enough resources to leave sort of a legacy, a financial legacy, that'll impact my family moving forward. Now, let me just say, all of those things are good. None of them are bad. But watch, if you wanna know what your primary heritage can be, just see what Psalm said. Psalm said, man, children are a heritage. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Let me make this very personal. So here's how this works in my life. I know that in 100 years, no one will even remember that I was the senior pastor of Lake Point Church. But in 100 years, there will still be little Howertons running around down from my family tree that are carrying influence from what I invested in the generations of my family. And so man, let me just think, some of you need this challenge and some of you need this encouragement, but let me, let me just say it like this. For you, here's a paradigm shift that I want us to have in our head. Your greatest accomplishment for the kingdom of God might not be something you do, it might be someone you raise. Now, as soon as I say that, I say all that, what I know is that this is where guilt, regret, fear, you know, kind of like, ah, I don't know. That's where the emotion starts to come in. So let me blow up, a, 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 this is like a Christian myth. Let me blow up a Christian myth really quick and, and ease some tension, okay? This myth comes from a guy that wasn't a Christian at all. He was an atheist named B.F. Skinner. Um, B.F. Skinner was a Harvard psychologist in the 1960s, a total unbeliever in the Lord. Um, he had a theory that he called radical behaviorism. Radical behaviorism teaches that children are totally blank slates that are 100% shaped by their environment. So watch this. Here's how B.F. Skinner's parenting equation worked. It went, good environment equals good children. He thought that would always be the case. If children are just raised in a good environment, that that would always equal good children. Now, some of you aging Maybe more wise people, you hear that and you're like, that's insane. And you're right, that is insane. But a lot of Christians, they believe that theory that come from an atheist named B.F. Skinner. Um, here's how it works. A lot of Christians, they believe this myth. Here's the Christian parenting myth. It goes, uh, this equation. A lot, of, a lot of Christians believe this. Good parenting in will always equal good children out. And we believe that myth. Good parenting in will always equal good children out. And we're awesome. We even slap Bible verses on it. Um, have you ever been around uh, Christians kind of talking about parenting? And the verse that in it, it always comes up is Proverbs 22.6. Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now listen, some of you right now, you hear that and you're like, there it is, Josh. It was right there. The Bible just said, 
good parenting in, train up a child in the way he should go, will always equal good children out. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Yes, but can I point something out to you that's really important? Have you ever noticed that verse is in the book of Proverbs, not the book of Promises? Have you ever noticed that? The book of Proverbs is a series of statements about how life generally works. It's not a book of promises about how life will always work. In fact, let me, let me give you another story that we usually don't think about when it comes to like, man, how we think about parenting as, as Christians. So let me show you another equation, okay? Think back to the story of the very first father and his very first children. God with his first two children, Adam and Eve. And here was the equation in the Garden of Eden. That equation went, you had a perfect environment. The world was totally unstained by sin. And on top of that, you had actually the only two perfect children in history. Adam and Eve had no sin nature. So perfect environment plus perfect children. And if God's the father in that situation, you actually had perfect parents. Now, now here's how that equation worked out. Perfect environment plus perfect children plus perfect parents in that situation equaled rebellion. Isn't that really interesting? Can I just point this out to you? What the Bible's showing us is that, listen, your children, they are born with something that's called a free will. No matter what you do as a parent, you can do everything right, load all of the Bible's teaching into your children. You can invest all of that into them. At the end of the day, they still have their own ability to make their own choices about what they do with what you invested in them. Now, that means two things. One, that means that you shouldn't take too much credit when things go well with your kids. And two, it means you can't take too much blame when things go sideways. If you don't understand this, and I'm kind of blowing something up before I build something up, if you don't understand this, when you've got little ones in the house and you're trying to raise them, you're gonna parent with a tremendous amount of fear and pressure. And then when your, parent, when your kids leave and either things go well or they go poorly, You'll either have too much guilt or you'll have too much pride. So we need to understand this. But here's the other thing this means. What the Bible's showing us is that you have, as a parent, you have zero control over what your kids do with their lives. You have tremendous influence. Tremendous influence. Now here's a big question. So how do we leverage our lives to influence our children to make a difference for the kingdom of God after we're all gone? How do we do that? Okay, so let me just point a couple things out to you really quick. Did you notice in the Psalm, like I love this, I pointed out the adjectives that David uses when he's talking about his son Solomon. They're all these, these amazing words. He says, heritage, fruit, you're a reward. You're a blessing in my life, okay? Now, let me point one other thing out. If you look um, down underneath the title of that Psalm in your Bible, you'll notice it says, of Solomon. Two tiny little words that are not bolded, of Solomon. Now, a lot of times we think that means that Solomon wrote the psalm. Bible scholars actually don't think that Solomon wrote this psalm. Here's what they think. They think of Solomon means inspired by Solomon. Like almost like a song, a song of Christmas, inspired by, right? So this is a psalm where a dad has a heart that sings with joy and delight over his son. Now, here, here's what the Bible's trying to show us. When a lot of Christian parents, when we think about shaping our children, our minds immediately go to discipline. The Bible's trying to show us that delight comes before discipline. That actually discipline needs to happen within the context of delight. Let me show you the, uh, how these two things work together, discipline and delight. When I was in college, I went uh, in an art class and we visited a metal worker. And this metal worker brought us in, he was showing us like how you shape metal with his forge. And he explained that the most important part of shaping metal 
is heating it up to the right temperature so that it becomes malleable. And he explained that if you don't heat the metal to the right temperature first, then when you try to shape it, you won't be able to shape it, you're gonna break it. So, so watch this, metal's gotta be heated before it's shaped. Now, in, in what the Bible, the Bible gives this analogy that, uh, that delighting in our children, an obvious love for them, a felt delight from parents, that heats the heart of our children so that their hearts become malleable, shapeable, formable. That works with grandkids, it's all the same. That delight heats it up, and watch this. In the same way that if you try to shape metal without heating it, you don't shape it, you break it. If you try to discipline children without delighting in them, you won't shape them, you'll break them. This is what the Bible's showing. In fact, think about this. A lot of times we don't think about the fact that God is showing us what it looks like to be a great parent. Think about this. There is only one sentence in the entire Bible where we hear God the Father speak directly to his son audibly. Only one sentence. Do you know what God says? He says, you are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. It's a statement of delight. Okay, now, here's what I know, and this is what makes this really tough. Our culture disciples you, especially if you're like in my generation and down, Our culture does not disciple you to view children as blessings, fruit, reward, you know, uh, delights. Our culture disciples you, trains you to think about children as curses and inconveniences. Uh, Just again, let me talk about my generation and down. In my generation and down, there are more people choosing to forego ever having any children than in any generation previously in the history of mankind. Um, I'll, I'll give you another one. Uh, if you've ever, ever been around like large families, like families that have like four, five, six, ten 10 kids, uh, whenever they walk into uh, like a restaurant or a grocery store, um, that, those families, they always hear the same thing. Over and over and over, they hear things like, you guys know what causes that, right? Or like if uh, two dudes are like in the office and a guy gets married and then finds out that his wife is pregnant like right after he got married, or let's say he's got three, four kids and then finds out his wife is pregnant again, you'll hear kind of whispered in the office, one guy will look at the other guy and go, oh, really sorry, man. <laughs> Think about how we talk even about children in our culture. On, on a much more serious note, um, in the last year in our country, 40 million children have been aborted. 40 million, an entire generation just gone. The number one reason cited for that decision is inconvenience. Man, it's gonna hurt my upward mobility. It's gonna be really hard. I don't know how I'm gonna be able to afford it, that kind of thing. It's an inconvenience thing. Now, can we just all acknowledge something really quick, especially those of you who are like really in it day to day? Can we just acknowledge something? Guys, do children cause some inconveniences? Yes. I'm speaking very personally right now. Yes, they do. <clears throat> you bring a bunch of you know, little kids home or have some kids. Listen. You, wife, y'all start gaining weight. Jan and I look at pictures of us before we had any kids and we're like, we looked awesome. (laughs) We looked awesome before you guys. We look great, man. Sleep deprivation. Like I said, we just, Jan and I just adopted uh, our third one, our little baby Hudson. Um, He's like five and a a half months old right now. And uh, he's still like fighting, sleeping through the night. Guys, let me just say, sleep deprivation is a thing. Like the first six months when you bring home little ones, I mean, you feel like you got abducted by ISIS for those. It's like sleep torture, it's, it, that's the thing. They cost a bunch of money. Guys, car seats. 
Can we talk about car seats? Every now and then I'll hear like a church person be like, Pastor, I have never cussed. That's because you never tried to put in a car seat. You just give it time, man. You just give it time. That's all it takes, man. It's, listen, do, so let me just ask this. Do children cause inconveniences? Yes, but watch this. What a glorious inconvenience they are. Man, they are a delight. That's right, man. They are a delight. They are a, war, a reward. They are a blessing, an inheritance, fruit, a, a heritage, all of these things. Now, listen, what you gotta understand as a parent, parent, grandparent, great-grandparent, aspiring parent, here's what you gotta understand, is that delight has gotta be demonstrated. Delight's gotta be demonstrated. This means, very practically, it means like, man, you need to have fun with your kids. At every age, find ways to connect with them. You need to spend lots of time with them. One author said it like this, that to a child, love is spelled T-I-M-E. And every time I get, and I do this a lot, every time I get with parents that are a little older, a little farther ahead of me in the game, and I ask questions, I do that a lot. I wanna know, what did you do as a parent? What, what worked, what didn't, that kind of thing? I always hear the same thing about time. I'll always hear, man, you need quality time with your kids, but quality time bubbles up out of quantity time. So we need to spend time with them. Can, can I like, <laughs> this, is, this is the spot in the sermon where I like what, what they say in the South, I get to meddling. Can I do that real quick? So husbands, when it, when it comes to like delighting in your kids, let me talk to husbands and wives. So husbands, here's what this means. To delight in your kids, what it means is you can't put them last. You can't put your kids last. Your boss can get a new employee, your company can get a new president, your kids can't get a new dad. And what the Bible's called you to do is to make your home your first calling before you walk out the door. So man, we can't delight in them by putting them last. Now listen, wives, let me say something that may be a little straightforward, all right? Wives, your temptation won't be maybe to put your children last, it might be to put your children first. That might be your temptation. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've been out in the lobby uh, you know, of a church and There'd be a, a mom and a dad, a bunch of little ones, and I'm getting ready to talk to them. I probably had this happen eight or 10 times where husband steps forward to say something and mom just sort of shush or has a little kind of, uh, kind of back off just for a second and then realizes that I'm standing there, looks at me and says, oh, he knows where he stands. My babies always come first. Man, can I just really gently say something to you? No, they don't. Your babies don't come first. The Bible says that God has made you one flesh with your husband. It never says that he made you one flesh with your children. And man, what the Bible teaches is that the way that we can be good parents is by first making sure that we're good spouses. It's actually better for our kids for us to prioritize our marriage over our parenting because that's the context of flourishing that our children need. Man, I'll give you another one. Again, this is the one that, will, that results in angry emails, so let me put on my preaching hat really quick, okay? Now, before I say this and you fire up your email in your lap, let me just say something. When I say what I'm about to say, I'm not talking about a situation where there's a medical situation. I'm not talking about where there's like emotional trauma. Maybe I'm not talking about like a very short temporary deal. This is what I'm talking about. I came from a church where I pastored like a sea of thousands of 20-somethings and 30-somethings. And so, man, I hear about this really often where mom chooses to co-sleep with her children for like years. So that child is literally coming between you and your husband. Can I just say something a little straightforward? Dear sir, dear ma'am, there should be things happening in your bedroom that would scar your children for life if they saw them. We wanna keep that Pentecostal bedroom, lots of tongues and a laying on of hands. Come on, somebody. We wanna keep it right there. Now listen, I know 
I know there's some of you that are like, ah, you know, you're firing up the email right now. Listen, if that really angered you, you can send your email to steve.stroop at lakepoint.org and we'll get right back to you. But you know, I just wanna say that. It, what it also means is you gotta tell them. If we delight in them, we gotta tell them, because watch this, delight's gotta be declared. When I was a kid, uh, my dad used to do this thing that when I was like four, five, and six was really annoying to me. Um, and now it didn't, look, it didn't seem so annoying. My dad used to do this thing where in the living room, he'd say, Josh, I got a secret. And I was all excited. I was like, oh, secret. You know, and I'd come over there and he'd have me crawl up on his lap. He'd say, come here, a little closer. I got a secret. I'm like, oh, what's the secret? What's the secret? And uh, I always thought it was gonna be we're having pizza for dinner. <laughs> and uh, dad would be like, no, 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 I got a secret. And I'd lean real in real close. And, uh, and dad would say, I love you. I love you. And I was a kid, I was like, man, I wanted pizza, you know? <laughs> so I was four, five, and six, I wanted pizza. But let me say this, now that I'm 36, I'm really glad it was I love you. Because man, I never ever wondered, does my dad love me? His delight in me was declared. Watch this, here's another thing. When our kids grow up, and listen, they're gonna make mistakes, guys. They got sin natures just like you and me. Do you make mistakes? <laughs> Your kids are gonna make some mistakes. And when they do that, our job to demonstrate delight is to show them the same gospel-shaped love that our Heavenly Father showed us. It's to show them that, that our delight in them is not dependence on their obedience to us. Your job as a parent is to spend your entire life proving to your kids, you cannot out my love for you. Just like our Heavenly Father has shown us in Christ, we cannot out our love for his love for us. It's to show them that. Now, now last one, and let me just touch on this and then move on really quick. Uh, just a very practical thing. What this also means, it means that we need to like, especially if you got little ones in the house, we need to discipline from love, not anger. We need to discipline from love, not anger. Now, uh, uh, just get something out of the way. I grew up in a house where my dad spanked me and I know some of you did not grow up in that kind of house. <clears throat> it's obvious. <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke, by the way. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. There was only one time in, uh, in my whole life that my dad smacked me with a bell. Now, I'm not saying that was right or wrong. I'm just saying it happened and I survived. And uh, when I was a kid, um, I, I threw a, a rock at a van that was driving in front of our house because I wanted to see how physics worked. <laughs> and, uh, and as soon as that happened, the van screeched to a stop and the guy just got out. And as soon as he got out, I hid under my dad's car and the guy just walked up to our front door and told my dad um, what, uh, what I'd done. And I just saw my dad nod gravely. And I thought, oh dear. <laughs> and, uh, and so dad called me in and uh, he sent me to my room. And this was something really wise that my dad did. Uh, my dad always sent, sent us to our room to give him time to calm down so that he, he didn't spank us or discipline us when he was still mad. So he did that. And uh, when he was done, he came in. And I remember uh, I was terrified. He just said, Josh, do you know why you're getting a spanking? I said, yes, sir, I do. And when I said that, he just reached down to his belt and unbuckled it, and he looked right at me, and he just went, whoosh. 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 My dad was a big guy. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then uh, when he was getting ready to spank me, um, my dad said what he said to me every single time, he spanked me in my entire life. He said, hey Josh, I want you to know I'm doing this because I love you. And I remember that, I remember that. And listen, we want a discipline from love, not anger. 
so that we show that, hey man, even discipline is something that comes from my delight in you. I've got a future-oriented vision of what I know you can become. And I want you to become that. Okay, now here's what we gotta understand is once we heat their hearts, and again, I'm talking children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, future, I'm talking all this. Once we heat their hearts with delight, we shape their hearts with what the Bible says, raise your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. There's a passage that shows what this looks like really practically. This is Deuteronomy 6. It says, now watch this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Talks to parents first, why? Because nothing can overcome your example. It says, man, your example is gonna be the thing. So first you do this, then, watch this, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your forehead. So everywhere, just let Bible be everywhere all the time. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now what it's showing is, it's just saying, man, raise them in in an environment that's saturated by the word of God. Just saturated by the word of God. Guys, let me show the urgency of this. When I was, uh, it was 2014, when the, you guys remember the, the, uh, the Ebola virus breakout scare? It was 2014. I was a pastor back then. I remember people were so scared about their kids getting Ebola that people were canceling international vacations early and flying home so they could get that vaccine into their kids. There were mission trips that week that people cut short so they could fly home to get that vaccine into their kids so that they wouldn't get this disease that was out there in the world that they thought might be able to take their children. Now guys, I want you to think about this. There is a disease that is out there in this world. The Bible says that the whole world is lorded over by the father of lies. And he's trying to get that into our kids. And we've got the one thing that if we get it into our kids can inoculate them from what he wants to do to them to steal, kill, and destroy their futures. It's the living, active truth of the word of God. That's the only thing. And so that's what we wanna do. We wanna do that and approach it with urgency. This means some really practical things. It means like choosing to prioritize involvement, consistent involvement in the local church. And listen, I know, I know when you hear that, you're like, yeah, you're a pastor, of course you're gonna say that, man. Let me just say, guys, this is why we at Lake Point, we invest incredible amounts of leadership, resources, intentionality, as you're gonna see today. Heavy investment in equipping you to be able to do this because we believe that a transfer of the word of God to the next generation is of the utmost importance. Man, let me just, again, say something that's like, let me gently say something that's a little straightforward. Man, some of you, like, you're more committed to A&M games than church, and if there's ever a conflict between those two things, A&M wins. And sometimes that's the only way in which A&M wins. Gotta get that in there, gotta get that in. Listen, I did, listen, I did Texas last service. I did Texas, somebody booed me up. I did Texas last service, equal opportunity offender. But we gotta know that, man. We gotta prioritize this thing because this is the place where we come alongside of you and help you get the word into your kids. You wanna have a house where you're just saturating your children in the good news of who Jesus is, what he's done, and the ways that we can live our lives so that, so that life works best. Now, when I was growing up, this is how my mom did it, man. My mom it was like, we were at church three times a week. She put me in something called junior Bible quiz when I was in elementary school, middle school. I was like competing against other kids, you know, viciously memorizing Bible verses. It was Bible stories before bed, watching movies about Bible heroes, Christian music. Listen, here's, here's my mom's thing. She wanted us so full of scripture that if a mosquito bit me, it would fly away singing, there is power in the blood. That's what she wanted to do, man. Just get it in us all the time. And listen, I know, here's what I know, man. If you're anything like me, like maybe, 
Maybe you got little ones running around, you're a new dad, you're like, dude, I don't know how to do this. Josh, you're a professional Christian, really easy for you to say. We care so much about this here at Lake Point. We don't just want to tell you you need to do it. We wanna make it so easy for everybody to do it. So, So let me get real practical. On your way into services today, you had a chance, you got handed this family forward packet. If you didn't get this, you're gonna get handed it on the way out. If you got it, I want you to grab this right now because this thing is awesome. Jan and I, we are already doing this thing at home. This is on our refrigerator. Like we are all in on this thing. And let me just tell you, what we're trying to do is give you an easy way to get Bible on the door frames of your houses and into your conversations with your kids. So in this thing, what you've got, we've even got this for our online campus folks, a way to download it. What you've got right here is inside, there's just a a sheet of family values based in the Bible that you can stick on your refrigerator. And here's what that gives you the ability to do, is every time you're having a conversation at dinner, you can look over at the refrigerator and say, hey guys, we're making this choice as a family because we're a family who, right there, we wanna walk by faith. Hey guys, we're involved in this ministry because we're a family who, watch this, we wanna love people. There's those values to help you weave it into your conversation. There's also an incredible, it's a little calendar in here that you can hang up, keep your appointments. Every month, there's one of those values that gets highlighted and the Bible verses around it. Just a real quick, something you can read over dinner. Takes 30 seconds, an easy way to weave Bible into the conversation and thread of your home. So if you didn't get one of those, make sure you prioritize grabbing one on your way out because we wanna help you do that now. Uh, Here's what I need to do. I I need to land the plane. But here's what I know. Okay, everybody track with me real quick. What I know is that every time that I have ever taught anything about what the Bible says about parenting, there's a heaviness in the room from some guilt, some regret, some fear. So can I I just uh, do this real quick? Uh, Not too long ago, I posted a social media uh, uh, post, a, a thread, where I asked moms in particular, I just said, hey moms, what does your mommy guilt? And that's a thing. What does it say to you? And uh, some of the responses were really heartbreaking. Um, One mom said, she said, the voice inside of me says, you'll never be a good mom. You're probably gonna screw them up anyway, so why even try? Your kids drew the short stick having you because you are so messed up from your own childhood. I bet your friends don't yell at their kids like you do. Um, One other mom, she said this, she said, the second I sit down to take a breather, the little voice inside of me says, you should be reading them a book or working on numbers in the alphabet, teaching colors, telling Bible stories, or when I try to take care of the household stuff, it's the same haunting guilt. There are the resounding, never-ending questions. Do they watch too much TV? Do they eat too many fruit snacks? Is public school gonna hurt them? Am I a mean mom because I discipline when other parents seem to let their kids have so much fun? Am I damaging them when I yell at them because I'm so tired? I should have set my alarm to get up before them for a quiet time and to get stuff done when they're awake so I can focus on them. It never ends. And then one, uh, one single mom, she said this. She said, the voice inside me says, your daughter is going to hate you because she didn't get to have a dad. She's already at a disadvantage and she'll always wonder, why did mommy work so much? And she'll notice that you didn't fix her hair in big bows like the other moms. Listen, the Bible says that the devil is an accuser. And what he wants to do is put you on trial every second of your life and condemn you. So can I do this? Can I just speak some good news into those dark places in your heart for a second? Okay, parents, let me give you some good news. Listen, moms, dads, 
You don't have to be your child's savior. They've already got one of those. They've already got one of those. <laughs> Let me give you a promise. I got a promise for you. Here's a promise. You cannot mess up your children so much that Christ cannot redeem them. Your child's salvation in this life and in the next is not dependent upon how great you are. It's dependent upon how great Jesus was and oh, what a wonderful savior he was. That's what everything rests on. Man, some of you guys, you grew up and maybe your kids are out of the house and maybe they're not walking with the Lord and you gave it everything you had. You have so many regrets and you think they're not walking with the Lord now and it's all your fault. Can I just point something out to you? Guys, Jesus didn't have any kids, but he had 12 disciples that he called his little children. And one of those 12 went rogue. Does that mean that Jesus was a failure as a disciple maker? No, no. And just because one of your kids didn't walk with the Lord, that doesn't mean that you failed as a parent. That's not what that means. Listen, your children do not need perfect parents. They need sinner parents who know that they desperately need Christ so that your kids can grow up and discover that they are sinner children who desperately need Christ too. That's what they need. Your job is not to be a perfect parent. It's to introduce them to the only perfect parent who has ever existed. That's your job and your calling. You do that and we'll be just fine. So can I pray for us? Can I pray for comfort and help? Can I do that? And Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your great love for us. Father, would you please be near to the brokenhearted and save the crushed in spirit? Father, I pray that wherever sin and guilt abound, your word says that grace abounds all the more and that you remind us that for every weakness and failure we have, that your strength is made perfect in weakness. Father, I pray I pray that you would give a release for people who may have been holding on to responsibility that's not theirs to hold, that today they might be able to release that to you and walk in freedom. Father, I pray that your spirit would anoint and empower all of our efforts as parents of little ones, of grown ones, grandparents, great-grandparents, aspiring parents, that you would just infuse all of those things with the energy of your Holy Spirit so that they would go, that you would establish the work of our hands. Father, we pray for the generations that will come out of Lake Point Church. We pray that the next generation of pastors, of church leaders, of missionaries, of mommies, daddies, business leaders who know and follow the Lord, that you might use us to pour ourselves out as drink offerings on the altar of their faith and that you would establish them for the good of the kingdom so that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we love you. We pray those things in the name of your crucified and risen son, Jesus. Amen, amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, Join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. digital.